Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where my goal is to help you break out of old paradigms, ask the right questions in your search for a deeper meaning for your life, and help you shift from a spiritual skeptic to a free thinker. Let's get started with today's adventure. So this is going to be part one of a two-part series on the mystery of prayer. I started to make it just a single podcast, but the topic just kept growing, and so I've split it into two segments. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably prayed for a loved one. You've been sick with fear and worry, begging for help. You've even bargained with God, promising him that if only he would heal your parent or your child or your loved relative or friend, that you would turn your life around, you'd return to church, or you'd do something special for him in return. I know this because I've done all of this and more. Does God hear these prayers? Does he somehow weigh them and then come to a conclusion on whether to help some and not help others? Does praying make a difference? And if so, how does all this work? Well, obviously I have plenty of questions, but I'm a little bit short on answers, and I'm asking these things because I suspect you are too. Of course, I've prayed and pleaded with God all my life. I've always accepted that he answers our prayers one way or another, right? At least that's what I've been taught. So how to figure this out? If only there was some kind of instruction manual for praying. But wait, glad you asked. Because there is the Bible, of course. And every time I start thinking about these kind of spiritual questions, people who love me refer me to the Bible. So what does the Bible say about prayer? Well, in perhaps one of the best-known and most often-quoted books of the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, Jesus provides a lot of guidance on prayer. It's all part of his Sermon on the Mount that he delivers by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So when it came to praying, he said, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He also continued later, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that of course is the beginning of what is now known to Christians as the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father to many Catholics. And then in one of the most well-known phrases from that same teaching, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Well, all that seems like pretty clear direction, right? I mean, that's awesome. What about guidance outside of the Bible? I started to wonder. How about Jews? Well, a few years ago, I was privileged to pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. We all wore head coverings, and our Jewish friends showed us Christian folks the ropes. I spent some time in an area of the Western Wall there called Wilson's Arch, where only Orthodox Jewish men were permitted to pray. I got to tell you, I observed some very intense, very serious praying. Many of the men were wearing things called teflon, uh, which are little black boxes on their foreheads and their arms that contain pieces of parchment from the scrolls of the Torah. You've probably seen pictures of that. Now, I'm not Jewish, but I understand that Jewish men pray three times a day. Don't ask me about the 
men women thing in Judaism and and reading that on the internet only left me confused but apparently men are supposed to pray three times while women are, I guess are sort of left to make up their own minds what about Muslims in Islam Muslims are obligated to pray five times a day this prayer is called the Salah and when I worked at the Pentagon I had a devout Muslim who was part of my team there and he had a prayer rug and we set aside part of a closet where he could visit during the day to offer his prayers. This was before, during, and after 9-11, and frankly, just after 9-11, I admired his determination to continue to pray, despite the looks he sometimes got when he went off with his prayer rug. But all that is just a quick synopsis of the prayer practices of a few of the world's major religions. So, so far, it sounds like asking for and receiving what you want is pretty straightforward, right? But there are a few Bible verses I skipped. And in my humble opinion, the the Bible is so huge, honestly, that you can pretty much find whatever you need to support whatever you want. But there's a couple sayings in there that gave me pause. For example, there is Psalm 66, verse 18, which says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In other words, God won't hear prayers from those who are wicked. Uh-oh. And then there is 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So in other words, for that, as long as we're asking for what God wants us to have, we're good. That's another uh-oh. I mean, how do we know that? And here's another one, James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So I'm afraid that is saying that we sometimes don't receive what we pray for because of wrong motives. So, you know, man, I know that I've often screwed that one up. So maybe it's just the luck of the draw. Maybe we just sometimes don't get the answer we want just because it's luck. But I don't believe that. But why would God give me what I pray for, but not you? You start thinking that maybe you're a bad person or that maybe you sinned recently or maybe you've had impure thoughts or a jealous heart or maybe you've been mean or unkind. Is God really a vengeful kind of deity that if you don't have your act together or your heart right or your requests don't line up with his, quote, plan, whatever that is, that you can forget about getting your prayers answered? Is free will just a mean joke? And how about karma? Where does that fit in? What goes around comes around. We've all heard that. Does karma even figure in prayer? My personal experience with prayer is, like you, I suspect, much more complex. You know, when my wife lay in a hospital bed recently, connected to all kinds of life support systems, the ventilator, the trach, feeding tube, all kinds of drips and monitors, I was very grateful for the support that I received from so many quarters. Old friends from West Point were wonderful, and the bonds that we forged in that often drab and dreary crucible in the Hudson River more than 45 years ago remain stronger than ever. These men and their wives, all dear friends, constantly provided me encouragement and assured me of their prayers. Most of them were already involved in organized prayer groups, and they added my wife to those groups and to online Facebook updates about my wife. There were prayers and input from people whom I didn't even know, but who were praying for my wife. And then there were old army friends with whom we served at various posts throughout the world. 
Again, the bonds formed long ago by shared hardship and shared sacrifice are still strong. And these wonderful friends also sent cards and letters and texts and calls, and they had prayer circles among their friends and church members in various parts of the country, some in the Bible belts of Alabama and Georgia. In fact, my wife and I joked about how we had just as many Protestants praying for us as Catholics. And you know, just as an aside, many people would probably be surprised at the level of faith that exists among Army officers and their families, uh, with whom I've been privileged to know and serve with. And of course, there are many friends we've come to know, you know throughout Freemasonry who did the same thing and who constantly let me know that I was not alone. They called regularly and assured me of their continued prayers. My wife and I both come from large families, and so there were many loved ones who let me know they were praying, and they reacted with love to every update I provided. My friends and co-workers were the same way, and they were also kind and thoughtful. Even the ladies that we knew at McDonald's have been amazing. For years, my wife and I would go to our local McDonald's here a few times every week for coffee and the occasional oatmeal. We came to know the ladies there, and, and we've exchanged holiday cards with some of them. You know, sometimes gone through the drive-through, I'd give them a little card, and, and then they started doing the same thing for us. When they learned of my wife's accident, they were just as loving and caring as our friends. They texted me and they called me, including one lady who had returned to her home in Venezuela, and she's kept in touch and sent good wishes and prayers via the uh, the WhatsApp app. And finally, our neighbors. They've been terrific. They've cooked meals for me. They've helped with praying, too. And as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, even the very nice Mormon ladies who came to my front door have been praying for my wife. So I think that with all these wonderful prayers, we've covered the world's major religions, Catholics, Protestants of all denominations, Jews, Muslims, and even the Mormons. So back to the original question, does all of this prayer work? Does it make a difference? You know, it seems obvious that people pray because it helps them feel less powerless and that they have a personal connection to God. And from that angle, prayer certainly seems to work. But when it comes to using prayer as a way to ask for something from a divine source and then getting, getting it, getting what you asked for, is there any evidence that this works? All of us have stories of answered prayer. The sudden and frankly miraculous recovery of my wife just recently is a prime example. The doctors, the respiratory specialists, the nurses all were surprised, and that miracle continues. But for every story of answered prayer, there's another sorrowful story of prayers that went unanswered, and the loss of my son is that example for me. It seems that for every sick person who miraculously recovers, there is a perfectly healthy person that you know who suddenly, and for no apparent reason, drops dead of a heart attack or an aneurysm or some previously undetected problem. One of my wife's doctors told me the same thing about patients in the hospital. The doctor was explaining how surprised he was about my wife, and he told me the story of a man who had recovered and was doing well, and they were actually in the process of checking him out of the hospital. He suddenly passed away while they were doing his discharge paperwork. I inferred that the moral of that story was that doctors are no smarter than anyone else when it comes to figuring out God's plan. So, using my left brain senses, I wondered if anyone had ever done a serious study on the effects of prayer. Well, yes, of course they have. And even though I'm sure that man has wondered about the success of prayers 
since before the Egyptians were praying to Ra, the sun god, the first serious modern study was done in the 1870s by a British statistician named Francis Galton. Now, I've done a little research on Sir Francis Galton. He was knighted in, I think, 1909 or something. And it seems like he was a pretty serious guy. He wrote over 340 papers and books, and he created the concept of correlation and other statistical methods still used today. As an investigator of the human mind, he founded the science of measuring mental faculties called psychometrics. Never heard of it. But anyway, in the 1870s, he decided to study the effects of prayer on human beings. Now, if you were to believe that prayer has a beneficial effect on a person, then you could logically conclude that more prayer would equate to greater benefit. So who to study? Well, Galton wondered about the British royal family. Now, I I did not know this, but apparently praying for the royal family was a structured part of every Sunday service throughout Great Britain, at least back in the 1870s. Therefore, they got tons of prayer, certainly way more than your average person living in Great Britain. So shouldn't the members of the royal family then have better health and live longer than your average British citizen who didn't receive such prayerful benefits? Well, you guessed it. Galton found that the royal family did not, on average, live longer or enjoy better health than anyone else, despite all those prayers. Of course, at that time, he did not have Queen Elizabeth, who lived to age 96, or her consort, Prince Philip, who who lived to age 99, to study. But then again, he would have had to include Lady Diana, who also died early, and I'm sure other family members, too. But he concluded that there was no benefit to prayer uh, in terms of health. He also took matters into his own hands, so to speak, and he conducted experiments where he prayed over randomly selected parcels of land, but he found that his prayers had no effect on which sections of land bore more abundant plant life. He concluded, of course, that prayer had no effect on the outcomes with either people or things. So I'm going to stop right here right now and with uh, with part one, and I invite you please to join me for second part of this series where I want to provide some information about more recent, there's more modern studies about the, the uh, impact of prayer, and I think they're very interesting. And I also want to share some surprising information with you from the spirit world about prayer. There's more, more good news to come. Finally, if you're so inclined, I'd really appreciate it if you consider leaving a review for this podcast or even a comment. You know, I read all the comments that you leave, and it gives me something to consider and think about. But uh, both things will help other people find this podcast, and that's what I'm looking for is folks such as you who are interested in the uh, spiritual topics that we cover. So thank you, and bye-bye.